This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharudin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. In this episode, we're going to talk about green architecture. It's a buzz phrase that's gaining more popularity these days as we get more conscious about the environment. But what is it exactly? Elisa Sabrina Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia, joins us on the show to help break it all down. Okay, thank you, Hanif. Before I delve deeper into explaining the definition of green architecture, so let, let's first actually understand the word sustainable development goal first. Okay, it's known as SDG. So I would like to explain a little bit about SDG and then we'll move on to explain what's green architecture all about. So sustainable development goals actually was set up by the United Nations uh, in year 2015 and it has 17 goals aiming to face the global challenge and to provide like an indispensable requirement for the global development towards achieving a better and more sustainable future for all people and the world by the year 2030. So since today's discussion is on green architecture, it has a close tie relationship with SDG goal because they are actually in parallel with each other. So all of these actually seeking to create a kind of a sustainable built environment for human habitats to be safe and to be resilient. So as you can see in the SDG goal number three, which aims for good health and well-being, and you have the SDG goal A11, which is to make cities and human settlements more inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. So to achieve these two SDG goals, the built environment where we live in actually plays a very important role. And green architecture is actually the best kind of approach to answer these needs to its sustainability. So green architecture or green design, uh, as you can see, Hanif, is actually a kind of an approach to building which minimizes a harmful effects on human health and environment. So what we want to do is that we want to build a building that utilizes healthier and more kind of an efficient models in terms of construction, how the building renovates itself, operational, the maintenance, and also at the demolition part. So for instance, like uh, when you want to build a building, you are choosing this eco kind of a friendly building materials and construction practices that you must make aware that it will not harm the environment or the ecosystem. For example, you can use green concrete, uh, plastic bricks, uh, bamboo, or materials like rice husk, ash concrete, uh, which you can also uh, recycle them and then reduce uh, and then use them back again and reuse them back again. So this is what the whole concept of green architecture all about. So let, let's talk more about sustainability, right? So so there is that aspect of, like you said, um, where it requires you to perhaps use sustainable materials in designing the building. But at the same time, it also goes beyond that as well, right? Um, I think these days, from a layperson perspective, you know, off the top of my head, if you think about um, sustainability, it also depends and relies on how you use electricity, for example, or how water is applied to your building, for example, right? So it's not just limited to how a building, for example, is 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 built using what kind of material, but also how it operates, right? Yeah. Yep, it's true. Um, if, if you look to the concept of sustainability in architecture, it refers to the building design that limits the humanity's impact on the environment. 
So in this sense, if you look into the um, definition from the United Nations World Commission on Environment and Development, uh, they mentioned that sustainability means the development that meets the needs of the present without comprising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So in this sense, living sustainability is meaning that you live within the means of the natural system environment and ensuring that your lifestyle does not harm other people like the society or the culture. So it is more talking about respecting where sustainable practices related to the natural world and other important issues like poverty, consumption, community and also health. So sustainability actually plays an important role when we talk about green architecture because both of them actually uh, interrelationship with each other. But is there such a thing as green architecture? You know, let, let's get into the, I guess, the actual definition of it. You know, what does it mean when people say green architecture? Um, okay, that's a good question, Hanif, because when you talk about green architecture, um, you actually have to understand that green architecture means that you are trying to, to have this 3R concept, which is reduce, recycle, and then reuse. So in this sense, when you talk about green building, it means that you are trying to create a building like looking into this biophilic kind of an approach. Okay, so what is actually biophilic? So biophilic in this sense, it means kind of a living architecture which incorporates natural materials, natural lights, uh, vegetation, green elements. You have nature views and other natural world experience into the modern built environment. And with this, I would like to give a, a give example, uh, a building known as the Pyramid Factory which is located in the Penang Science Park at Bukit Minyak or on the mainland of Penang. So this pyramid building is actually a, some sort like an electronic company which specializes in medical and also satellite equipment. But the design of this pyramid factory concept is actually based on the idea of factory in the forest where the design aims to connect the factory with the man-made forest which uh, looks into how to integrate nature into architecture. So in this building design, they have a, a lot of green roof uh, and green roof design is actually uh, what you call that can help to mitigate the heat island effect and also lower down the urban air temperature. And they also apply these ideas of design known as the green wall concept. And this green wall concept, they put it at the building facade. So in this sense that the green wall actually can cover more exposed hard surfaces of the built environment so that they can create and give more kind of a, not only scenery kind of an expression, but also it gives a natural value ventilation into the indoor part of the building design and also the pyramid factory also have a very nice design where they have a lot of courtyard design and this courtyard allows a natural ventilation to come in into the building and this kind of a promote a passive cooling strategies into the building design itself so this is actually known as um, the integration. Why, what I'm saying is that biophilic has a very strong integration with the concept of the green architecture. Mm. Talking about it now, it sounds like it's supposed to make sense, right? Um, but why why is it that you know it, it has started to become a bit more quote unquote fashionable these days as opposed to you know a long time ago? You know why why weren't uh, sustainable practices when it comes to, I guess, uh, designing our buildings? It's not really a thing back then, and why has it become a thing now? Um, because this is according to what uh, perhaps one of the um, 
if you look at the global policy now, because everybody is have this uh, certain kind of an awareness or sensitiveness, uh, looking at to live in a better sustainable future or a sustainable environment. So in this sense, because when we talk about this aging world, you know, when you have a lot of emission of gas that can actually um, give an impact to our living environment and, and this actually give a sense to us as, as users, as policy makers and also as architects and designers to have some sort like an awareness and maybe change the mindset. So that's why in the concept of Malaysia itself nowadays, uh, we have this uh, known as this Green Building Index or GBI. If you have heard GBI before, Hanif. So GBI actually it started in Malaysia uh, promulgated by the Malaysian Architect Association which is PEM and also the Association of the Consulting Engineers Malaysia, which is ATEM. So GBI actually uh, has the same ideation because it has also been practiced in other parts of the world. For example, in the United States, it's known as Leadership in Energy and Environment Design, as LEED. And also in Europe, they have this BRIM, known as uh, BRI Environmental Assessment Method. So in Malaysia in 2009, uh, it is starting this inception of this GBI context. So although it is not a force to all designers or to all building designers to apply this concept of green building index, but then um, it is what some sort like given um, awareness to the architect and designers to apply this concept of GBI voluntarily by developers and by architects into a lot types of buildings like residential and commercial buildings. And once you apply this, you will your building will become green certified. And also they have a certain level like your building will get uh, the achievements of rating levels like is it platinum level uh, you receive the gold or the silver award so this kind of uh, promotion actually or effort put down by uh, these Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia give kind of a sense to designers nowadays to look into this so slowly actually the society in Malaysia especially the professionals are looking into establishing uh, this green building kind of an index throughout the projects architects or uh, designs in Malaysia and currently, actually, we have about 500 registered green building index GBI projects in Malaysia covering all typologies of buildings like uh, ranging from housing, office, you have the mixed-use, commercial, hospital, government buildings and many, many more. So, yeah, it is some sort like what you call that the change in the society and, and the development of the awareness in terms of the global context like the SDG goals, this is all what you call that the impetus that make the change towards society's understanding in terms of having green architecture, especially in the built environment. Mm. Apart from, I guess, um, some form of recognition, um, in terms of from a policy level, um, is there any other form of incentive that's you know given out to um, not only architects but I guess developers as well if they do take up the, the I guess the initiative to be a bit more conscious when it comes to sustainability and also um, green buildings or green designs. Um, yeah, if you look, there's a lot of programs uh, developed by Pertubuhan Architect Malaysia and I think it's some sort of like a monthly program to give this kind of an awareness. Although the certification or recognition uh, currently in Malaysia is only focusing on GBI, which is the Green Building Index, and you get some sort of like an acknowledgement that your building receive an award or maybe some sort of like a star rating and things like that. But but in other sense, there, there's also some sort of what we say 
public awareness that that is given throughout workshops and then with that uh, uh, PEM also conducting a lot of classes and also a lot of courses and also in Malaysia we have this uh, MGBC known as Malaysian Green Building Council also plays an important role in promoting this idea of green architecture uh, especially to the professionals among the developers the engineers the architects the designers interior designers and so many forth so it is a kind of a process uh, Hanif and I think Malaysia is actually going to venture more deeper by by year 2030 and, and it's hoping that we're going to create a sustainable city and a, a more kind of a good living environment for the future in Malaysia yeah That was Ali Sabrina Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University Technology Malaysia. And we've been talking about green building and architecture. More on the topic after the break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Elisa Arbina Ismail, the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University Technology Malaysia, joins me on the show to talk about green architecture. We're going to continue the conversation by looking at whether there's a conflict between sustainability and practicality. Um, when it comes to talking about you know sustainable building design or green buildings, How do you focus or how do you differentiate between you know, sustainability versus practicality? Especially when you take into, I guess, factor uh, use case scenarios among end users into the equation. How do you navigate between between these two concepts or these two, I guess, theories? You know, sustainability versus practicality. Okay, that's that's a good question, Hanif. Okay, if you talk about sustainability, um, to my understanding is that um, sustainability sometimes it can fit in with practicality, and sometimes it can be the opposite, right? Uh, but then, uh, especially if you talk about uh, designing a building, there are actually uh, four important main areas for designers to look into before they design the building, so that the, the building design, the end product, can actually fit sustainability, and also at the same time it can be practical. Uh, in terms of its usage and also in terms of its function. So if you look into these four main areas, uh, number one is about uh, site development. Okay, so before architect design a building or whatever it is, when we talk about integrating or ingrain the idea of sustainability, we need to consider the site development first because it's very important because to reduce the impact of the development or the natural environment. For example, the orientation of the building, like we taking need to take the advantage of the solar access, uh, shading devices, the wind patterns to lessen the heating and the cooling loads. Um, and then when it goes to the uh, construction process, the Material selection is very important also in this sense. So when we talk about material selection, uh, it is very important that to use materials that is locally manufactured and this can reduce this kind of a negative environmental impact. And especially it's good to use the, the one that I mentioned, these three R kind of materials that can be reduced, can be reused and can be recycled kind of a product. So and another one, we talk about this incorporating this energy efficiency design. 
So energy efficiency design means that you can use technologies that can conserve the resources and can increase the occupant comfort and productivity. For instance, like solar panels, and then um, you can use um, rainwater harvesting system. Actually, they can recycle back the water and you can use it for landscaping. Uh, for instance, water from the washroom or water from evolution in moss, you can circulate it and you can use it for, for other purposes. And another one is that um, designing this um, high indoor air quality. So air indoor quality is very important to promote kind of an occupant health and also productivity. And last but not least is talking about minimizing the waste in construction and demolition processes. If there is some sort like uh, the end part of the building uh, when you want to demolish or want to construct or renovate or build a new one so that the materials that you want to impose to the building design can be reused and also can be recycled. So if you look into these four main areas that I mentioned, Hanif. So this is what we called when design is like a process. So you have to think as do you go along when you become designer. So if all of this is being fulfilled, then actually you can achieve the practicality of the building design at the end of the day. So there won't be like this what we call afterthought design or afterthought thinking comes into place. So this is the most important role that is actually need to be um by the designers or by the architects when they come up with a building design or they come up with, with any kind of a proposal projects for developers and things like that. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, when it comes to, I guess, thinking about, about this concept, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, radical, right? So for example, if we think, oh, you know, um, aircon consumes a lot of power, therefore, you know, we should use fan instead of using aircon or we should create well-ventilated buildings that I guess should allow natural air. I mean, as much as we can, I guess, approach it that way, we sometimes can still, for example, uh, you know, still use aircon, but, you know, I guess, generate the energy in a more efficient manner, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be super radical just because we want to go green, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So green, actually, what I'm saying is that it has to come from yourself as a designer, like awareness. Uh, awareness is like you you actually want to create a good kind of a planet Earth living. So you have this some sort like an awareness and what you call that is responsibility, actually. So if you have this sense of responsibility, I think at the end of the day, as a designer, you try to minimize uh, the thing that can actually harm the environment or actually harm Mother Earth or planet Earth, right? So, so I, I like to take the example uh, for the listeners actually to have a clear view uh, one example is you can see at the Suruhanjaya Tinggi Office Building in Putrajaya. I'm not so sure whether you've been there, Hanif. Uh, it is known as the Diamond Building. And uh, the Diamond Building is one of a very good example. This is an office building of uh, how that they implied or implement this idea of green architecture into the building design. So as you can see that uh, this building actually achieved a GBI index uh, a kind of platinum award. So and it because of its innovative design. So at the first stage when this diamond building was designed, it actually adopts the diamond shape 
So the ideation of the concept is the, the designer doesn't purposely design the building in a diamond shape, but actually it is the building is slanting downwards and inwards actually to follow the climate and the solar path of the equatorial Malaysian uh, system. So as you can see, uh, the building is tilted a bit by 25 degrees and actually this can reduce the solar impact by 41%, especially at the east and west facade of the building. And one of the beauty part of this diamond building is actually it is completed with a dynamic kind of a shading system so this shading system takes the form of an automatic roller blind with six different configuration according to different levels of daylighting at all times so and it also can have this 30% transmittance blind that can be adjusted for every 15 minutes and change you know according to uh, morning midday and also evening time uh, that responding towards the um, sun path uh, of the Malaysian context at Putrajaya. So in this sense, it creates a kind of an energy saving to this office building design. So, uh, and as a result from that, uh, it gives a cooling kind of an effect to the building and it can save the energy consumption in terms of using air conditioning. So heat reducing kind of a usage by the shading system actually cool the interior part of these offices especially at the diamond building and if you read a lot of uh, articles written on diamond building it is actually has cut down the energy consumption to one third per annum which is per year so this is quite a kind of a good achievement so this is what uh, looking back into your previous question Hanif talking about um how sustainability integrated with practicality. So practicality means in this sense how your building responds to the existing environment and you are designing it according to the existing environment that can actually um, minimize a lot of things in terms of energy consumption, in terms of costing and, and also at the same time uh, help to sustain Mother Earth. Mm. Um, how do we differentiate you know, the thinking, I guess, when it comes to sustainability between a building, for example, versus an area or an environment. I think because at the, at the same time, the conversation surrounding sustainability also is not just limited to, you know, a specific building or buildings alone, right? You want to also create like a surrounding, you know, for example, you know, a, a city that's more sustainable in general, right? So um, when it comes to that, you know, how, how, do, how do you differentiate between the two? Um, okay, um, if you look in the built environment, uh, actually it's, it's two things that integrated with each other. You need to develop uh, the urban context and then the infill of the urban is the building itself. So the building and also the surrounding environment actually is two important things that that uh, what you call that interrelationship with each other. So yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Hanif, because when you talk about uh, sustainability, uh, when you talk about green architecture, it does not solely depends on one building designed by a certain architect that is smacked into a middle of an urban city. The whole entire urban context plays an important role. So in this sense, uh, we also need to look into the city's development. So in city's development also one of the major things is that you need to create a lot of green parks, you know, urban gardens, because this is what we know as the lung of the hustle bustle of the city area. And uh, in between the buildings, especially what we know as pocket spaces, you know, in especially in urban context, you have a lot of uh, small, small nooks 
and corner and crannies they're talking about pocket spaces so these pocket spaces sometimes is being left over so it's being an abandoned space and 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 it's not being utilized or it's not being functioned and have a very specific purposes so instead of left it abandoned you can create this green pocket spaces between building so this is what we know as infill development so the right kind of an infill development can create a green environment uh, a green concept in cities and this also can create a quality public spaces so all of these uh, pocket spaces can actually be used for communal development and also for people in the city to gather and enjoy and do their activities together with the crowd and things like that so and another concept is talking about green environment in the cities is about encouraging the smart energy usage like uh solar panels and and you can have a recycled waste and things like that so this actually can reduce carbon emission so not only individual buildings play a role but the whole entire urban context plays an important role um okay so um what are some of the barriers or challenges when it comes to i guess implementing this concept yeah okay the barriers and challenges now uh is especially what what i'm saying is that uh, one is awareness okay uh, and also the sense of responsibility that uh, comes into different designers or different architects understanding about the need and the importance about green architecture um, another one is the emphasizing of the policy by the government like what i'm saying before is that Malaysia we have GBI but a green building index is actually voluntarily kind of a basis so it is not a uh, what you call that uh, being forced into uh, architects or designers you must apply green building index currently in Malaysia is just more like on voluntarily basis uh, that you whether you want to apply it or not it depends on you but sometimes it is stipulated explicitly by the individual local authority depending on where the uh, building uh, is constructed or it was built okay and the third one if you look into is um the situation of the pandemic covid nowadays hanit what i'm saying is that a uh, pandemic covid that happened is actually some sort of like a blessing in disguise you know uh, because it actually changed and triggered the whole society that we need to look back into sustainability so because uh, if you can see uh, pandemic covid teaches us a lot of lesson and it actually helps us to transform which means that transform here means that we we cannot go back to before because the previous way how we design our building is actually enclosed we actually air conditioning all our buildings uh, there's some sort less of uh, ventilation uh, for natural air to come into the building but when the pandemic covid came this actually changed a lot of things especially in building design so when pandemic covid came a lot of designers start to trigger their mind you know you need to design a building that need to have natural access to lighting natural access to air natural access to sunlight and this is actually shape the current context the ideation and the architectural response especially to our built environment because we need to have a proper ventilation system in our building design we need to have a fresh as circulation and it is very important to reduce the risk of contamination especially um if you look into schools education sectors or especially in public buildings where you need to have a lot of a crowd within one space you know and this is what what we known as 
and open open our minds actually especially the designers to look back into the level of sustainability into how we're going to project this idea of sustainability into our building design so if you go to hospitals for instance nowadays in malaysia there's there's a big problem because most of our hospitals are enclosed and most of them are using mechanical ventilation like schools like kindergarten so when pandemic covid came we need to have more designs with a lot of openings and our building doesn't cater to that and to provide ventilation is a is a very important thing now especially in communal areas but our design now especially in our building does not fulfill that function we don't have that enough function especially like you are in in homes for instance in housing there's less ventilation or openings and things like that so this is actually what we call giving an effect and look back into sustainability and actually as uh, some sort like an impetus that forced people and brought people to look back into this idea of sustainability into design. Mm, all right. Okay. So um, I guess to wrap up in terms of awareness, there's definitely, I think the level of awareness for when it comes to sustainable design for buildings um, has increased compared to, I think, um, you know, perhaps 10 years ago. Where can we go next? Okay, if you look into the future of sustainability, I think Malaysia need to evolve. And pandemic COVID actually has teaches us a lot of lesson to to change and and we need to strike a balance between the dynamics of user response, vernacular requirement, the positive awareness and also the goal of having a large scale in terms of energy saving and talking about sustainability. So, and I think Malaysia has a very, um, what you call that, uh, a, a good future ahead uh, with GBI in place. And I think uh, there, if there is a more kind of an emphasis by the government uh, and the building sector, I think will continue can become uh, one of the largest uh, energy consumers that can actually optimize this energy usage worldwide. So if we look into this, and I think Malaysia has a very bright side ahead, especially towards uh, talking about energy efficiency in building design. So if if we go towards that, and I think uh, we can have a full swing of sustainability and we can have a very better kind of a malicious built environment for the future. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Ali Sabrina Ismail. She's the Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying, University of Technology Malaysia. And we've been talking about the concept of green architecture. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at pfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.